Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're speaking about giving again this morning. And as we begin to speak, we looked at it last week. We've got our missions conference coming up next week. By the way, you do have faith promise slips. I'll talk to you a little bit more about them uh, later on. You have faith promise slips there. I want you to, to look at that and pray about that and fill it out. But as we talk about giving, as a preacher talks about giving, there are a couple of things that always hit your mind, right? <clears throat> First of all, people often react when you talk about giving. I, they react because, you know what, you're, you, you, they feel like you're getting at them. There's no part of me that wants to get at you in the least as far as giving is concerned. But there is something that is absolutely true and that you need to get a hold of. When you give, you're like your heavenly father. See, we're made in the image of our Heavenly Father. And one of the things our Heavenly Father does, one of the things uh, that's real, uh, is He gives. We know that about Him. He gives. He just gives, and He gives, and He gives. And we're made in His image. Do you know that unsaved people actually understand the principle of giving sometimes better than saved people do? Because <clears throat> unsaved people recognize that, you know, this is, this is right. This is part of life we're supposed to give. I mean... <clears throat> Bill Gates is in the process of giving away, I think the last count was $40 billion. He's actually set himself about giving it away. He's made all the money, he's got all the money, and he's realized, you know what? Giving it away would be more fun than holding on to it and having it. Unsafe people understand it. And we as believers need to uh, understand, when we give, we're like our Heavenly Father. See, if you tell a boy, you, you tell a teenage boy, he may be fighting with his dad, he may have all kinds of problems with his dad, but you tell a teenage boy you're a chip off the old block, you're just like your dad, and his ears will lift and he'll say, he gets excited about that. Uh, normally, he'll get excited about that, even though things may, may not be great with dad. You know what, when you give, you're like your heavenly father. For God so loved the world that he gave. And aren't you glad? Something else happens though when you give. When you give... Uh, you're like your heavenly father. But when you give, God gets excited too. We're going to see that this morning uh, as we look at our verses. Now, I'll have you look at them at the screen. By the way, you could read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 at some point today. All of it's related to it, but there's no way that we would get through the whole chapter uh, today. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, uh, <coughs> Let me just say about this verse, it's in the Bible. Right, we're not talking about prosperity preaching. We're not talking about extorting money out of people. The Bible actually says that if you sow sparingly, and if you look at the context in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is talking about the offering that was being taken up for the saints uh, in Jerusalem. And he says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. And if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Then he says, every man, according as he purposeth, in his heart. It's for every man. You, you, you can come here this morning and you can exclude yourself from this message. You can say, well, you know what? I haven't got much, therefore um, I'm out of the picture. No, it's, it's for every man. And by the way, every woman too. All right? <clears throat> so, so catch that. Every man, every woman, right? According as he purposeth in his heart. Here's the thing. You have to purpose in your heart. Giving money is a very emotional issue for us. It really is. How holding on to it's very emotional. Having a nice little stash of money in the bank is probably a very happy day in your life when you can get to that place, right? Um, but it's very important to us, very emotional to us. And if we don't purpose to give it, we won't. We just won't. We've we got a plan to actually give. I, um, 
Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now, we'll deal with that issue. Don't do it grudgingly or of necessity. Do you honestly think that God needs your money? Do you honestly think that God is actually in heaven saying, oh, I hope LifeGate comes up with the goods for this missions conference? Do you think God's going to, God's going, God, God's going to t- have a moment of worry about whether we come up with it or not? It's not going to affect him in the least. He doesn't need your money. Do you know what he does want, though? He wants your heart. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it of necessity. Don't do it because it's laid on you, right? Uh, I'm very careful that, that, that it, you, you, you're never giving because it's a burden that's put on you. I want you to give because you love giving. I want you to get the... Because if you don't come to that place where you love giving, you know what? You, you'll never into this area, enter into this area of blessing that's such an area of blessing. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, it doesn't say that God is impressed with your giving, the amount you give. It doesn't say that God, is, uh, you know, that God loves the fact that you give. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. God lived, loves somebody, and the word cheerful there uh, is the word, the Greek word is the, uh, hilarious. It's the word we get our English word, hilarious, from God loves a hilarious giver, somebody who's just enjoying it, who's enjoying giving. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. What's grace? Supernatural enabling. God is able to bless you with all blessing. He's able to make all grace abound towards you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. God's able to bless you in such a way that you can do this thing of giving. God's able to take care of you and bless you so that you can do it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us this morning, Lord? Well, we recognize today that uh, giving is an area that can be quite difficult for us. But, oh, Lord, <clears throat> help us uh, to gain and glean the truth, Lord, of what you do uh, in giving. Help us to understand your heart. And, Lord, may our hearts be knit with your heart. And, Lord, may we uh, round a corner and come over a hill and come into the place, Lord, where we rejoice and we become cheerful givers. Lord, would you bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so our first point is this. <clears throat> bountiful giving produces bountiful reaping. Right? And G- Paul here is using a picture from, from farming. And uh, the, the farmer who sows sparingly would sow sparingly because he values his grain. He doesn't want to put it in the ground. He values his grain, and he might sow sparingly. Uh, and, um, <clears throat> but the problem with it, sowing sparingly is that when the harvest time comes, you're going to have less. The other guy's going to have more. The guy who sowed bountifully uh, is going to have more. I remember working in the markets, and um, <clears throat> about, you know, the early part of the year, March and Fe- February and March, you would see the farmers buying lorry loads of potatoes for seed potatoes. Full bags of potatoes, you know, 100-week sacks of potatoes, and they're all going out to be buried in the ground. Cost a fortune. They were the most expensive of the potatoes. Uh, these seed potatoes that would go out. And, you know, <clears throat> a farmer would sow tons of those potatoes in his field. And they're gone. He can't eat them. He can't do anything with them. Now, you know what? Somebody could have looked at it and said, I'm not doing that. And he could have put them in his barn and held on to, on to them. But when harvest time came, he only has what he had to begin with. 
But you see, the farmer sows his potatoes, he sows his seed, he sows his grain, because when harvest time comes, he expects to reap bountifully. He doesn't expect to put 10 ton of potatoes in the ground and pull 10 ton of potatoes out of the ground. He expects to put 10 ton of of potatoes in the ground and maybe uh, reap 20, 30, or 40 ton of potatoes from what he's put in. And we've got to understand this principle as far as giving is concerned, that bountiful giving produces bountiful reaping. And you've got to catch this. This is not something that somebody made up to, to, to get people to give. This is something that is in the Bible. It's a principle that's all the way through the Bible, and it's applied to giving here. So that we've got to understand that bountiful giving produces a bountiful harvest. Right, let me give you some pictures from the Bible uh, of this. The widow of Zarephath, she's found in 1 Kings 17. Now, don't turn there. We're not going to have time to look at all the verses here. But the widow of Zarephath is the woman that Elijah goes to when God sends him from the book Cherith. There's no more food there. She's in famine. She's gathering two sticks. She's got a little tiny bit of meal. She's going to cook a cake. She's going to give it to her son. And then both of them are going to die. Right, so she's got nothing. By the way, you'll find that principle very often when it comes to giving. It's not according to the fact that you have lots and plenty. It's not the Bill Gates of this, con- of the, uh, of this uh, world that count as far as their giving is concerned. This little woman has nothing. All she has is just a cruise of oil, and she has a little bit of, a, of meal. She's going to make a cake, and she's going to die. And Elijah comes and says to her, <clears throat> make a cake for me first. What a terrible request. How awful would that be? I mean, it's a mother feeding her son. But you know what? She trusts God, and she does it. And you know the result? The result is that she doesn't die. Every day throughout the famine, the oil never failed, and the meal never failed. She was able to bake every day all the way through the famine. Now, what is that? She sowed a little cake, and she reaped bountifully. That's the way it is with God. You sow a little and you reap bountifully. Now, uh, the dilemma always is for us is I haven't got enough for myself and you want me to give to you. This little woman hasn't got enough and you want me to give, you, you, you want me to, give to this prophet, this, this Elijah. The dilemma is always that and there's always that tendency in our hands to hold on. And not, it's, just, it's just there for us. But do you know if this woman had said to Elijah, no way, my boy is going to get the cake, not you, her boy would have died, and she would have died. But because she gave, God gave back to her, and God gave bountifully. Now, God can give in your life, and God can give bountifully. Now, please, I, I hate the, 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 those, the, the, the teaching of the prosperity gospel. In other words, you give to God, you're going to get very wealthy. Because that's not what the Bible is saying, right? The Bible is not saying you're going to get very wealthy uh, if you give to God. What it's saying is, though, that you are going to reap bountifully. Do you know there's a whole lot more to life than money? There's a whole lot more to life than money. Now, money's part of what God does in our lives. But, you know, when you give to God, you're going to reap bountifully. God can reduce your bills. God can give you a bargain. God can give you a raise at work. God can give you uh, extra business. Listen, There's all kinds of things that God can do in your life. But I want you to understand this, 
that the return is bountiful. God has not opened heaven, dividing up the, uh, the, the pennies uh, and doling it out like there's, a, like there's a shortage on it. It's a bountiful. Let me give you another picture. Uh, Malachi chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. I'll just read it for you again, right? <clears throat> Malachi 3, verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Right? Uh, so these people weren't giving the tithes and the offerings. They weren't, they weren't giving to God. They were holding back on God. And God says, You've robbed me. Right? <clears throat> he says, Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Right? You've, you're, you're, you're cursed. You, you, you've taken that which was mine. Uh, and um, you're cursed with a curse. He says in verse 10, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, one question for you. Does that sound like a mealy mouth return? These people are not giving the tithes. They're not giving the offerings. They're, they're holding back on God. Now, why would they be holding back on God? Same as you and I would hold back on God, because they're tight, because money's tight, and they don't have enough for themselves. So they're holding back on God, and God gives them a challenge. God says, prove me, test me, right? You bring in the tithes and the offerings and see if I don't pour out a blessing from the windows of heaven, and you won't be able to contain it. You won't be able to take care of all that I'm going to pour into your life if you'll give. And you say, why would God do that? Because God's after your heart. And you know what? Your heart is connected to your money very often. And God wants to owe you to overcome the connection you have to your money and come to the place where your heart is connected to him more than it is to your money. But notice what he says. He will give you a bountiful return if you will give to him. Um, God wants, God gives you two promises. First of all, he says, I will pour out a blessing that there will not be room for. And then he says, in verse 11, he says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field set the Lord of hosts. Do you know what's happening to these people? These people were holding on because they were afraid to give. They were fearful of giving. They were holding on to what they had. And God says, you know what? You're holding on, but it won't, you're not, you're not keeping it. Because uh, the devourer is devouring your crops before they ever come uh, to fruit. Your vines, the, the grapes are falling off them before uh, it ever happens. I can fix that, God says. I can change that. Did, did you ever try and hold on to the money and you found it was like having, <clears throat> having a bag with holes in it that it just kept drifting out on you? See, when we hold on to what is rightfully God's, that's what happens in our lives. It doesn't work. We don't have more. We have less. When we do that, J.J. Uh, Kraft, the head of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, who had given approximately 25% of his enormous income to Christian causes for many years, said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. What was he saying there? He was, he was given 25% of his vast income, and he was saying it was the best money he ever spent. Now, <clears throat> look, I, honestly, I really don't want anything of you. I'm not asking, personally, I'm not asking anything of you. I'm trying to teach you a principle here, right? God is the God of the universe, and he's in charge of everything. And he's put some principles into place in his universe, in his world. One of the principles is the principle of giving. And for a believer, it begins in the area of tithing. And God says, if you will tithe, I will bless you. 
Now, the problem is we don't have enough. The reality is that if we will trust God, he can take care of us. You're going to spend a lot of money in your lifetime. You know, listen, just putting groceries, putting petrol in the car, paying the rent or the mortgage or whatever, you're going to spend a lot of money in your lifetime. And you know what? By the end of your life, it's going to all be gone. All of it's going to be gone. <clears throat> but you know what? That which you give to the Lord goes before you. And he wants you to catch it. He wants you to understand the way for us to deal with the covetous spirit that's naturally ours is for us to be givers. It's for us to come to the place where we give. You see, sometimes God doesn't trust us with a lot uh, because we're not faithful with a little. Why would he? Isn't that the truth? When we talked last week about Rockefeller, Rockefeller said, I would never have been able to tie the first million dollars I made if I had not tied the first salary, which was $1.50 a week. So Rockefeller's habit pattern of life when he was earning one fifty was to give 15 cents to the Lord. And you know, he says, I'd never have gotten rich if I hadn't done that. Right? <clears throat> Listen, we've got to understand that, that giving is part of who God wants us to be. You see, here's, here's what we kind of think. We kind of think as far as Christianity is concerned that, you know, <clears throat> there are some people who are givers. They, they just, they, they're just blessed. They're givers. And there are other people who, who are not givers. Uh, they're people who need But do you know what the Bible says? The Bible makes us all givers. And do you know this, that the Bible doesn't make an issue of how much you give. The widow's might, Jesus said, was more than they all gave. Why? Because it was all that she had. It was nothing in terms of money, but it mattered to God. Because this little woman's heart was connected with him. And she was going to give to him. Matthew 19, verse 29 says this, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Now, Jesus talks about a hundredfold return. Now, look, if you give up your house, I doubt that he's going to give give, give you a hundredfold, but he will bless you. He will bless you. God bless Listen, you know, we, we live in a very nice house. I'm very pleased to live there. And I recognize, you know, that we live in that house. It's, it's God's house. And ultimately, we'll move out to our long home. But, you know, there was a time, I remember, when we sold our house and spent all the money on a Bible education. I had a house in Furhouse, and we sold it, and we went to the States, and we spent all the money. And faithless as I was, I remember standing in that house before I left it, and thinking to myself, I'll never own a house again. I'll never be able to buy a house again, because you know what, that was it, that was the money I got. But you know what? That was totally not true. Because God is able to give back to us much more than we give to him. I didn't know him very well. By the way, Bible, educa- Bible college education, the, most, the thing I learned most was not all the stuff I got from books. It wasn't the degree I walked away with. The thing I learned most in my Bible college education was he can be trusted. He can take care of you because he did, and he's able to. And you see, <clears throat> when you give to God, God says he will give back to you. Now, you can put your money in the bank at the moment, right? And if you can put your money in the bank at the moment, I think they'll give you a half a percent. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I had some money in the bank last year, and it was really exciting. Uh, I got the um, <clears throat> statement, uh, and um, 
they had given me 20 euros uh, interest on my investment for the year, right? Now, that's not the worst part of it, right? They gave me 20 euros interest, but then they took 41% off on dirt tax. Listen, <laughs> listen, you know, it was useless. I lost more in inflation than I got as far as interest is concerned. And that's the way it is in the world. But do you know what? When you give to God, God says he will give back to you a hundredfold. God will give back to you a hundredfold. Now, don't expect to go out and find a check for a hundred times what you gave, gave in the post box, right? But do expect that God will be bountiful in his giving to you. Why? Because he says it. That's what he says. That's what he says he will do. Um, <clears throat> trust God to provide for you in the here and now. And he will. He will. He'll take care of you. Uh, Luke 6.38 says this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, that's talking about somebody, in my mind, I'll tell you the picture I have in my mind. The picture I have in my mind is my grandfather. My grandfather and my granny lived on a little farm. It was what we would call a hobby farm now, but it wasn't a hobby farm to them, it was life. They had this little five-acre farm in Wicklow. They had very little, but they never lacked, right? And if they did, they didn't know they lacked, right? They had very little, but they never lacked. And they had very little to give us, but when we would go down... Uh, my grandfather would be sent out to give us potatoes, care pink potatoes. For those of you that remember care pink potatoes, they were they were they, what, they were what they called balls of flour. They were just fabulous potatoes. But she, he would be sent out to give us uh, get, get us potatoes, and, and my grandfather would take one of us with her. You had to hold the sack, right? Now my grandfather didn't just put a few potatoes in the end of the sack and say, "Now close it up." He would fill the sack, and then he would make you shake the sack. So the potatoes went down so he could fill it more. He didn't have much, but what he had, he was going to give you, and he was going to give you as much as he possibly could. So you'd be shaking the sack and the potatoes would be rolling out of the sack, and he'd be happy to be giving. Do you know that that's what God says he will do in our lives? God is not tight or mean with us. He never has been. God gives, and he gives better than than. than we have told you the story about Laterno last week, uh, and, and, and he's saying the saying he's famous for. He said, uh, I, I, I gave to God. I shoveled the money to God, and God shoveled it back, but he had a bigger shovel. <clears throat> and that's the way it is with God. And I catch this. This is not trying to drag money out of you. This is you recognizing, you know what? I want to interact with my Heavenly Father. I, I want to be like him. I want to get a hold of this thing called giving. I want to see what God's going to do in my life. You know, God never tells you to test him out, except in this area of money. He says, prove me. Test me out. See what I'll do. And that's what he says to you today. He says, test him out. Now, you can close off your heart, and you can say, I haven't got anything, and you can make all kinds of excuses. But God says, no, just test me out. Try me out in this thing. And see what I will do in your life. And you know what? God is no liar. And God has never been short. You get a hold of this thing called giving, and you're going to find life has a whole different angle to it because you get in the, in, in the place God wants you to be in. So bountiful giving produces bountiful reaping. Second thing is this, though. God loves a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians 9, verse 7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, let me just make that point again. Every man. 
There aren't givers and receivers in the kingdom of God. We're all givers. And we're all receivers. But you can't categorize yourself as, well, well <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a receiver. I'm somebody who's in need, so they need to give to me. And unfortunately, our culture has done that, hasn't it? It's made a whole group of people think, well, you know what? We need, and other people need to give to us. And therefore, the onus of us giving is awful, as we don't have to give. No, that's not true. We're supposed to be all givers. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor that he may have to give. See, as a believer, you go from the place where you're just a receiver, and you start to give. Did you ever think about that poor little widow woman uh, with the two mites? What was in her mind? That was all she had. Now, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't affect the temple. Hardly anything. Her two mites. It obviously, you know, as far as financially, didn't touch God, didn't affect God. And yet Jesus commends her for it, and she gets a mention in the Bible for it. Why? Because she loved God. I wanted to give to him. <clears throat> and he commends her for it. It's not about how much you give. It's about your heart in it. It's about your heart wanting to give to him. You see, <clears throat> let everyone give as he purposeth in his own heart. Now, let me say this. You need to be motivated uh, to give in your own heart. You know, it's not, it's not that I, I need to get up or... <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and promote giving every week and plead with you to give and say, you know, you need to give and you need to give more. We got this need and we got that need. Now, listen, that's the wrong motivation. And so often for what, ha- what happens for people, it becomes a tax. Giving to God, that's, that's the total wrong motivation for you giving to God. You need to be purpose in your own heart. This is a you and God thing. This is between you and him. You need purpose in your own heart uh, to give unto him. It's not grudgingly are of necessity. It's not kind of, oh, I've got to do this. If you think that about your giving, you've got the wrong end of the stick. Listen, taxes are like that. You've got to pay the taxes. That's just the way it is. You know what? They don't give you an option. They don't ask your buyer or leave. You've just got to pay your taxes. You know, uh, It's just taken out, and that's the way it goes. Right? But that's not the way it is with your giving to God. God says, no, not grudgingly or of necessity. Don't treat it like a tax. That's not what it is. It's you getting the opportunity to give to your heavenly Father. And by the way, you've got to keep that in mind that you're giving to him because so often you get bent out of shape with people or you get um, <clears throat> all, all kinds of ideas in your mind. But what you need to do is, you know, no, no, I'm giving to my Lord. When you put that envelope on the plate, when you transfer that money, I'm giving to my Lord. And give to him. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. God loves it when we give cheerfully. Now, look, God loves me anyway, whether I give or not. And God loves you anyway, whether you give or not. That, that, that's not the issue. But the text is clearly telling us that there's something special in God's eyes when we give to him cheerfully. When we give to him and we think it's a blessing. When we give to him and we get happy about it, we get excited about it. We were in Lagos, uh, last time we were in Lagos, and um, they're they having a special offering in the church, and it was the neatest thing. Um, <clears throat> they, they, they were having this special offering at the end of the service, and so everybody danced up to the front to give their offering. 
Now, it wouldn't work in Ireland, you know. Every, everybody would be, would be way too uh, stayed to do it. But you know what caught my, my mind? These people were having a good time giving. They were enjoying giving. They, they were actually enjoying it. And you know what? We need to enjoy giving. It needs to be a blessing to us that we're going to give. <clears throat> because God loves a cheerful giver. The English poet Carlyle said that when he was a boy, a beggar came to the door where his parents, when his parents were gone. On a youthful impl- impulse, he rushed to his room, broke his piggy bank, and gave the beggar all the money. He said that never before or since had he known such sheer happiness as came to him in that moment of giving. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know what we're looking at here? We're looking at grabbing a blessing. Because there's a blessing involved in this thing for us. God loveth uh, a cheerful giver. <clears throat> Not all giving is cheerful. Some giving is just uh, drawn out of people. Remember, we were quite a while ago now, but we were down. I think we were in Ackle, right? And it was a church of Ireland. I'm sorry, Florence, all right? Uh, it was a church of Ireland that we were in. But on the back door of the church, there was a list of all the names of the people in the church and how much they had given. Right? Now, you know what? Humanly speaking, that's a great motivation for giving, isn't it? Because you know what, you don't you do, you, you, you don't want to be uh, the person who's not on the on the list, and you don't want to be the person who's the last on the list because it was in order. <laughs> it was in order of how much they had given. But you know what, spiritually speaking, that's a rotten motivation because people give because they're embarrassed not to give. That's not cheerful giving. That's giving because it's a necessity. That's giving because it's something that's put on you. God delights in cheerful giving. God delights in cheerful giving. I'm going to tell the story. I've told it before, but <clears throat> this man pictures this whole thing for me. We, we were in the States. We were traveling uh, when we were students, and um, we were broke as usual, but we left uh, the town we were in to drive back to, to college uh, on a Sunday night, and about 10 p.m., now, 10 p.m. is late in the States. It's not late here, but it's late in the States, right? So about 10 p.m., we're going through this tiny little town, and our van broke down. And there we are. We're just by the side of the road. We don't know what to do. So um, it's a small little town. There's only, kind of, there's only a, uh, a petrol station. There's a gas station in it. Uh, but anyway, along comes uh, a police car, right? And th- these guys were so nice, right? They, uh, they, they would have made you feel good about uh, policemen. They, they pushed us. They, they tried everything to get us going, but they, but they couldn't get us going. And so finally, they phoned the guy uh, who owned the local parts store for cars. 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, but now it's 11 o'clock. So they phone him. So Bill Carr comes out to where we are, right? And he's, a, he's, a, he's about this high, and he's about this width. Right, uh, Bill Carr, right? And um, he comes out to where we are. He opens the, uh, the, the bonnet. He looks in. Uh, he pokes at a few things, and he says, such and such a thing is gone. I can't even remember what it was gone. He said, such and such a thing is gone. He said, you're not going anywhere tonight. Uh, you can leave it there. Um, <clears throat> we'll get it fixed in the morning, but nothing's going to happen with it tonight. So um, <clears throat> we phoned the people we'd been staying with. It was about a half an hour drive. They came and picked us up and took us back, and we stayed with them that night. And the next day, we came to pick up our, our van, uh, it had been fixed. And I remember Bill Carr saying, I asked him how much it was, and he said, no, it's nothing. And, and I remember saying to him, look, you don't even know us. There's, there's no way you can just pay for the repairs to our car. I'm not kidding you. Uh, this little chubby man began to jump up and down on the ground, and he said, you will not steal my blessing. You will not steal my blessing. He was giving to us whether we liked it or not. Why? Because he'd got it. 
He understood the blessing was in the giving. Uh, he understood the blessing was in the giving because, you know, he just got that. We need to get that lesson. The blessing is in the giving. By the way, we passed through that town later, and um, <clears throat> we passed by his shop, and it was all closed up, only to find out that he'd sold that, and he'd bought a bigger one uh, further down. That's the way God works. Listen, but we need to get over taxation and into the place where it's a blessing to give, where we love giving. You see, God loveth uh, a cheerful giver. <clears throat> then our last point here, right? God will enable you to give by grace. Second Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound in every good work. God is able to make it possible for you to give. Listen, if you're like any one of the rest of us in this room, you're going to look at your money and you're going to say, it's impossible. I don't have it. I don't have it. I've given for years. And I, you know what? You, you, you know the one thing that makes my budget not work is giving. If I could stop giving, the butcher would work. But you know what? God always makes it work somehow. God always makes it work. God always has a way of bringing it about. God has done it so marvelously over the years that I'm afraid not to give. <clears throat> because God makes it work wonderfully. God is able to take and he's able to give you grace. He's able to enable you uh, to give. Uh, <clears throat> as we give we must be persuaded that God's going to take care of me. I'm not going to give, and I'm not going to be broken the head of giving. No, God's going to take care of me. God's going to meet my needs. And it's all through grace. You see, if I could do it all, there wouldn't be any need for grace, would there? But I can't. And so I give by faith, and God takes care of it. I know how many times... God has done something in my life that has just been incredible. Just been something that, this, this is impossible. Do you know that I haven't paid the last four cars I've got, I haven't paid a penny for? I really haven't. And by each one is a totally different story. A totally different story. But God has provided for them apart from my income. Now, the truth is, each car came up and I didn't have the money to replace it anyway. But each car... God has supplied miraculously. That's what God does in your life. God takes and supplies the needs in your life, but he wants you to trust him and to give. Now, let me tell you, God's not going to go broke if you don't give. God's not going to jump up and down and say the book's in heaven balance uh, because you gave. But you know what's going to happen? If you don't give, there's going to be a lack in your life. And the lack is not going to be principally money. The lack is going to be that blessing that the child of God has in their lives when a father's pleased, when <clears throat> that cheerful giving touches the heart of God. Now, I'm going to challenge you this morning. All right? <clears throat> and here's the challenge to you. Right? First of all, tithe. It belongs to God. 10% is a great place to start. 10% of your income belongs to the Lord. Give that. Then I'm going to ask you to give to missions. You've got these little faith promise slips. They're, they're there, and in your, in your, I'll explain to you what to do with them uh, in a minute. 
But give to missions. Why give to missions? Because missions is the heart of God. God wants to reach the world with the gospel. But for God so loved that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's heart is for the gospel to go out. And the way we support missions is we give to what God is doing. I think we can do a lot more. We're behind, but I think we can do a lot more. But we need to let the, 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 uh, God work in our hearts and do it. But don't stop there. Get in the habit of giving. Find needs. Find, find, find problems that you can help. Now, don't give foolishly to people who don't really need you to give to them. But do give. And become a giver. And what you'll find is, you'll find there's blessings you couldn't have imagined. There's blessings available to you that you couldn't have imagined apart from giving. What you'll find is God interacting in your life uh, in ways that you couldn't expect. And we could go around this room this morning and we could have testimonies of blessings that would just blow you away. Normally the people of God are pretty quiet about these things and and reasonably so because they don't want to brag. But you know what? If you're not giving, step up to the mark. You say, but I haven't got much to give. It doesn't have to be much. You just give God the 10%. You say, "I, I can't do that. You just watch what God does. Prove me now herewith, said the Lord. You watch what God does if you'll give the 10%. You watch what God does if you'll step above it and give to missions. You watch what God does as you give in a bigger way than that. You'll be amazed at what God can do in your life. He wants you to come to the place where you're a bountiful giver because he's a bountiful giver. He wants you to be like him. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, would you bless us this morning, Lord? <clears throat> Lord, it, <clears throat> this is an area that's close to our hearts, and Lord, I don't believe an area that really your children need to be convinced in. But oh, Lord, it's still an area that's difficult for us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving your son for us. And now, Lord, would you stir in our hearts that we might give to you, Lord, that we might set our lives and set our hearts to be givers and to give to you in a great and mighty way. Lord, we love you. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name.